Thank you, Pastor Tony. Good morning, everyone. Man, you guys are getting soft out here now. I know you're all in the shade, but good morning. All right. Be thankful for the shade today. I'm sure uh, it's nice out there. Just a real quick reminder as well. Uh, I think you got something on the way in about our concert coming up, Cochran and Company, on September, uh, I believe, 30th. And make sure you guys go ahead and start getting those tickets. Um, You know, I know some of you will probably be volunteering for that event. So maybe you're not, you know, you're holding off or whatever. But, hey, get some tickets for some other people. Invite some people out. It's it's an amazing evening, and it's a wonderful time for us to connect with many people um, outside of the church uh, that are normally outside the church. But, um, well, you know, it's good to be back this morning with you. And if you were here last week, how many were here last week? A few. Um, you know, we, we jumped into our series, back into our series, I should say, on the book of Acts. And, you know, it's, it's great to be there. I love uh, walking through, kind of journeying through the scripture. You know, when we go into these series where we're going kind of, not maybe not verse by verse, but, you know, just kind of at a slower pace and really unpacking things. And I think it really helps us. But, you know, again, just going way back to our previous series last year when we first started Acts, you know, we remember the church. Uh, kind of was birthed there in Jerusalem. It began, you know, with a kind of a big exclamation point as the Holy Spirit showed up on the scene, and then the church began to grow in that area. And then through persecution, as we found out last week, uh, the church began to expand uh, somewhat, I don't want to say unwillingly, but maybe unexpectedly because, you know, again, the pressure was being dialed up, and so the Christians began to move out of Jerusalem. Um, and so they're really, as we know, following, uh, carrying out the Great Commission by Jesus. You know, he said to go into all the world. And so they're beginning this movement. And so we saw that last week, and we saw um, the, the church in a very unsuspecting place, really, uh, in the, the church of Samaria. And those people, again, those folks there were very opposed to the Jews. They, they were in opposition to one another, and the Jews opposed them. And so it was a very interesting place as we saw this scene unfold. And, uh, but there was a genuine uh, response, and Peter and John showed up on the scene, and we know that the Holy Spirit followed that, and with again, with another exclamation point, um, kind of said, hey, this happened. Something happened and was seen, it was visible, and it was just, again, this, this, this great moment as the church began to expand even to uh, places maybe people didn't think possible. And so we're going to pick back up. You know, I was last week, started going through, and, and as I mentioned, you know, the sermon was going to be very, very, very long, uh, longer than normal. And so we went ahead and split it into two parts. And so today we're going to pick back up. So if you missed last week, make sure you go listen to that. Um, Otherwise, though, you can jump in here and you're not going to miss anything or feel left out. So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to to Acts chapter 8. And we're going to dive in here right in the middle of the chapter about where we left off last week. And, you know, it's it's really, again, just such a, a privilege for us and, you know, as uh, my son, that was my son, Isaac, if those of you don't know, that shared his thankfulness for his family, which we've been praying for for many years for him to recognize that. Um, and he finally got it. But uh, we'll see how long it lasts. I hope for a while. But, but, you know, one thing I think all of us take for granted is just, again, that we can gather together out here like this, that we can, we have Bibles literally probably laying all over our house on our smart, you know, devices and everything else. And so just to have access to the word of God again, is such a privilege, and we should never just kind of breeze through that, but, but always stop and thank God. But um, if you have your Bibles or your phones out, um, Acts chapter 8, and I believe it's also in the bulletin, um, we're going to jump in at verse 25. I'll be reading from the ESV this morning. 
And it says, So when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Again, this is uh, Peter and John on their way back to Jerusalem. Uh, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, remember Philip from last week was on ground. He said, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, uh, a court of, official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? What a great invitation, right? I mean, we all pray for something like that. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and began, or beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this time together, Lord, to share your word. God, we pray that you would open our hearts today to receive, Lord, what you would have. And God, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for each person watching online. Um, God, that you would just truly uh, just take these next uh, few moments, Lord God, just to uh, speak to us in a way uh, that, that is just fresh and new. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many of you, uh, you know, this is a little bit of, as I do often here, a little bit of confession time. Um, you know, I remember back when I would work kind of a more nine to five type job and, uh, you know, was working maybe at the, out at the airport or something. And, and you know, I would, I would get out of work after a, a long day. And, you know, my, my beautiful wife, Leanna, she would, uh, hey, babe. Okay, we're going to be good here. Uh, she would call me and she would say, do you mind picking up something from the store? Or do you mind stopping on your way home and grabbing this or that? And, you know, it seemed to me, it got to the point where it was almost every day I was making, you know, these stops. And, you know, I don't know about you. I'm sure all of you, like, have no problem with that, maybe. Uh, But for me, you know, I was like, I want to come home. I don't want to stop, you know, a bunch of places. And, you know, so we had um, a conversation about that. And it went really well. Um, I realized that I was, I was wrong and needed to grow in some places and could do that more graciously. Um, but, you know, there was just something about, you know, when you had worked a long day and there's something about just getting home, right? You just want to go home. You're done. You've done your thing for the day. You don't want to talk. You want to get home, get outside, sit, just whatever, find a shade tree, sit down, relax, do something. 
And, you know, it, there's something about, uh, again, just that looking forward to that. And you kind of almost get this like tunnel vision, don't you? You're just like, you're driving. It's like, I don't, I don't care. I'm going get, to get home. And, you know, when I read this, uh, when we look at this account as, as Peter and John, you know, as we began, and, and they were headed back to Jerusalem, you know, I'm sure they were pretty pumped about what they had seen. Also, you know, just a lot like even our students, you know, that shared. Aren't they amazing? I, I mean, the, the yeah. It, what happened, and it just shows you what God can do in those moments, a few days, you know, and just kind of being removed from this setting. And it just really is awesome to hear just those testimonies. Again, I was ready for them to kind of preach and just, you know, sit back and enjoy it. But um, it's just, it's infectious though, isn't it? And, you know, but, but when it came time probably for them to get home, they were probably ready to get home. And, you know, here I'm sure with Peter and John traveling, again, they were on their way and, and they probably wanted to get Jerusalem pretty quick. But it struck me that, you know, uh, you know, it's here they are on their way and, and they're stopping along the way to, to, to do what? To preach the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now, typically, <laughs> Jews, again, would have probably, you know, they, they would not probably would not have been welcomed, all right, in these places. You know, they not every Samaritan was here in this moment where the Holy Spirit had shown up, all right? It was a group of Samaritans. And yet here, <clears throat> Peter and John are stopping and they're engaging and actually talking with the Samaritans. <clears throat> and we always have to pause again and, and put ourselves in that situation. Imagine, you know, it would have been somewhat intimidating probably for them to stop and, and speak to the Samaritans again because the, I cannot express to you how at war these two people groups were. But yet they had the boldness and they wanted to share because they saw what had happened to this other group of Samaritans. They're like, well, what if God did it here, right? And continued to grow what he was planning to do. And so they, they'd stepped out and I can't imagine what the Samaritans were thinking again because they're sitting there like, why are you talking to us, Right. And so, you know, they, they, but they recognize, again, you know, they were, they were different. Peter and John were different in the sense they saw an opportunity to share the gospel. Probably in the most unsuspecting place, they saw an opportunity. And, you know, for many of us here today, again, you know, we need to look, always be on the lookout for those opportunities. You know, you don't need to go necessarily door to door. Maybe you're called to do that. Maybe you're called to stop the, the stranger in the, the grocery aisle, and that's great, and people do that. But let's not overlook the opportunities, maybe even, even in some of the most uh, unsuspecting places, right? You know, um, <clears throat> some that we could call them what I call as twofers, right? They, they, you know, we can share with people around us in a setting that we're already a part of. I think a lot of us, you know, and, and as the students shared, and there's, there's, there's times, you know, when we go out and to evangelize, quote unquote, where we go out and we look. But if we just have our eyes open in our setting every single day, <clears throat> wherever God has placed us, you would be surprised at what God shows you, who God shows you. And so perhaps if we just kind of open our eyes and pay attention, we could part, be a part of someone's conversion story. Can you imagine that, that honor? To, to be a part of someone coming to know the Lord because you decided to share something, to share your faith, to share your testimony with someone, maybe someone that you've sat next to or, or seen, you know, almost every day or worked alongside for years. And so, you know, I want, I want us to be encouraged today as we, as we look at this because we see this conversion story, you know, continuing from the place that we saw last week 
even as these two disciples are returning back to Jerusalem. And what we see here, and what we're going to dive into the rest of our time today uh, with this eunuch, is we see uh, the beginning of three conversion stories, okay? There's going to be three conversion stories. The first one, the eunuch that we heard about and we'll explore today in chapter 8. Next uh, week, we're going to be getting into chapter 9, and, and somebody maybe heard of Saul, who became Paul, right? Probably one of the most famous conversion stories of all time. Um, that's who we're going to be looking at. Uh, and then and beyond him in chapter 10, we, we meet a man named Cornelius in his household, right, that, that receives the good news. And so we see and, and it's explore these amazing three amazing conversions that are, again, very succinct and very different in their own way. But the, the result is the same. And, and if nothing else, we can see and we can agree on one thing, and that is the gospel was truly on the move in this time. The gospel was on the move. And again, that calling and that, that, that commission is still for us today, and I want us to be encouraged by that. And so let's begin now and, 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 and jump into uh, this, this kind of snapshot of, of this eunuch, right, that, that Philip comes across. And in verse 26 there of chapter 8, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. <clears throat> this is a desert place. And he rose and went. And so we see very quickly here that, that Philip was given some instructions, right? Now, I know a lot of us here are probably saying today, if an angel of the Lord showed up to me and gave me instructions, I would probably follow that. <laughs> right? That's, there's, there's no question. Maybe that would be enough to move us. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe we would kind of, you know, write it off as some bad food we ate or something like that. Or maybe, you know, it's just our, our imagination or something playing tricks. But, you know, here Philip, again, is engaged by this angel of the Lord, and he's given instructions to rise and go toward the south. Now, once again, let's pause for a moment and remember, Philip had just witnessed this amazing moment, right, with the Samaritans, He'd been, kind of, he'd been there, kind of the missionary on site, boots on the ground, investing in these people. And he sees this moment of breakthrough where they receive the Holy Spirit. First, they receive the gospel, then the Holy Spirit shows up and seals that whole thing. And now, all of a sudden, he's given instructions to leave, right? Now, again, if you're like me, I would... I would struggle a little bit, right? I mean, you know, I've, I've put the work in that, you know, we just start to see the success happening and now, God, you're going to call me away? <laughs> Does anybody ever have conversations with God like that? Or are you guys just, yeah, you're all good. You're all good folks, I know. <laughs> okay, there's a couple, me and Dr. Pat. All right, I got one. But you know, yeah, there we go. Okay, I got you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. But it's true, right? I mean, if, we're, if we are being honest, you know, when sometimes when God lays something out in front of us, there are questions, Sometimes we don't, it doesn't always make sense to our mind up here, does it? Because that's kind of the way of, of, of the way God does things, isn't it? Why? Because he wants us to have faith. He wants us to trust and to step out. And what is he calling us to? It's, it's one word that starts with O, ends with obedience. Everybody got it? What is it? <laughs> obedience. Yes, you're all winners. It's obedience, right? That's what God's looking for from us. And that's what God is, is laying out here again to Philip. He's, he's just saying, listen, go, rise and go. And Philip, what does he do? He gets up and goes, doesn't he? And so it's just this amazing picture of, of faith in God and trust to know that, you know, God is leading him and God has a plan here. I may not understand the reason. I may not even want to go, but I know that the Lord has called me to do this, and so I'm going to walk it out and step it out, right? And again, that is something I think all of us can learn from and God, all of us can really apply uh, to our lives today. 
And so, you know, again, Philip steps out and he goes and, you know, he just knows he's going to this place. He doesn't know what's coming, what's going to happen, what God's going to do, but he's walking it out. And again, we're always doing that. We're walking it out typically one step at a time. And so traveling along this road out of Jerusalem, Philip encounters this Ethiopian eunuch, all right, this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, this is not just any eunuch. This is somebody pretty significant, all right? This is a, a, an important and powerful figure in the court of Queen Candace, all right, from Egypt. And he, they probably ruled over the, the Nubian kingdom, which was just south of Egypt, actually. Um, and, and again, there's money involved here. During this time period, you know, the common travel of the day were, were this and this, right? You're two feet, and you would walk everywhere you went. That was the common travel. Maybe you had a little bit of money, a little bit of status, and you might have some kind of an animal to ride, all right? But for somebody to actually be in a chariot, it, it, it's a, you've got to understand the significance of this person, all right? So this is somebody not just, you know, a common person just walking along the path. This is somebody of, of great importance and great influence. And so, again, this is, you know, uh, just something to take note of as we approach this today. Now, one thing, you know, again, this is a eunuch, and I think everybody here knows what that is, right? Yes? I don't need to explain it. Okay. I just want to check. Because, and one thing I wonder, too, I don't know how they, they announced that to people, right? I don't know how that people knew they were eunuchs. I don't know if, again, yeah. But it's just like maybe they had a sign or something. But anyway, this person, was, it was obvious that they were a eunuch. And they, they, again, they were here, and, and they were going down this, this path. And, you know, again, this, the, the eunuch, for the simple fact that they, they weren't a Jew, right? This, this man wasn't a Jew, number one. Number two, because he was a eunuch, okay, that really left him standing outside of, of, of the worshiping community of the Jews. He basically had two strikes against him, all right? You understand that? Um, again, not a Jew, he was a Gentile, and he was a eunuch. According to Deuteronomy 23.1, that eunuchs were not allowed to come into the courts to, to worship with the other Jews. And so, again, this is a person, this is what you would call an outsider by every sense of the word. And so, again, they would not be allowed to come into Israel's communal, communal worship. And so, you know, we see here, and it's very striking, again, we can just read through it like, oh, yeah, he was, go, you know, coming from Jerusalem or going to Jerusalem uh, to worship, right? Where, understand, if he's, he's on the outside, Gentile and eunuch, so he was not going to be able to be on the inner courts, not be able to enter in, again, to the place where the worship was actually taking place. And, again... This whole thing where he was, he was standing on the outside, it demonstrates this commitment that this eunuch had, all right? Do you know how long the journey would have been from where he was from to Jerusalem? Five months. Five months, one direction, okay? So that's the kind of journey that this, this guy was committed to, to be able to go and to worship in Jerusalem, some people can barely travel five minutes to church, let alone five months, right? I mean, it's, it's really something, and, and to be that committed, to, to be, want to be there and to be a part and to know that he needed to be in Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And so he probably knew what Isaiah, again, <clears throat> again had spoken just a bit later when he, in the, what he was reading, just a, a little bit before where he was, it said this in Isaiah 56, 4 through 5. 
It said, for thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. It said, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So again, in his mind, he knew that as he stayed committed, that God would honor him at some point. He believed that. And again, this seems like good ground then when Philip saw him to, to, to sow into, doesn't it? This guy's open. You know, we read kind of the account briefly at the beginning, but he's open and he he's, has questions and he wants to receive. And so again, we see this commitment and he's, he wants to hear about the fulfillment of the promised Messiah. And so in verse 34, he's, he asks Philip, he says to him, he says, about whom I ask, does the prophet say, say this? About himself or about someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth and began, beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. He told them the gospel, didn't he? He shared the gospel. This guy was like, I, I want to understand. I want to know. You know, he didn't know about Jesus, this eunuch, but even though he'd read about him and probably had read numerous times this passage, right? And so, but he's, he's open. He's open to hear. One um, uh, commentary, he, it put it like this. It says, what is supremely significant is that the rab rabbis and other teachers at no point connected the suffering servant to the messianic hope in Isaiah, right? There's no evidence that between the time of the prophet and the time of Christ, anyone had identified the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 with the Davidic Messiah of Isaiah 11 or with the son of man of Daniel 7.13, Okay, so up to this point, again, we understand it all. We have the whole picture. We see the whole story beginning to end. We know it, right, how it all went down. But for, for the Jews and for everyone else at this time, you know, it, they did not see that as being all connected, right? And this, you know, again, when, when Jesus showed up on the scene, you know, the thought process was that the Messiah was supposed to be royalty, right? But the suffering servant that, that you're reading about here it was, is not royalty by any means, He's a servant. And you know, one thing that came to my mind is, is whenever, when we saw, just a kind of a little side note, when we read about Jesus' time on earth, when he was walking around, what did they always want to do with him? They always wanted to make him what? King, right? And this is probably a whole sermon in itself right here because they were trying to take Jesus and put, them, put him into the mold that they wanted, Right? Because like, hey, this, this is probably, this guy's got, he does miracles, he's got power, he's a Jew, you know, he's all these things. We just need to make him king and he's the guy, right? And while Jesus truly is the king of kings, but he did not come that way, did he? He came as a servant to serve, not to be served. But yet the people, and he would literally have to run from that because you know, they always wanted to put him up on that pedestal. They always wanted to basically make him king in the way that they saw. But the beauty of it is, is Jesus came and he was the suffering servant, but he was also the promised king, the promised Messiah. And he checked all these boxes, right? Even if people didn't realize it. And so here again, Philip shares this good news. He shares, he un begins to unpack this for this eunuch about who Jesus is. And the eunuch's heart was open to, to receive. And again, it's awesome because he wasted absolutely no time. Once he knew and saw and received the gospel, they were passing by some water and he's like, hey, Let's get this going, right? Can I just get baptized right now? And speaking of which, 
you know, if you haven't been baptized, we can help you out with that. I promise. <laughs> yeah. We just, you know, you come let me know or Pastor Tony know, let us know. And, and again, we'll make it happen because it's, it's an important part. And, and you see the importance of it even here for this eunuch. There was something significant about, again, being baptized in water and following, uh, again, what Jesus had laid out. And so this, you know, this baptism takes place and, you know, we have kind of an interesting part that comes up here because basically the eunuch came out of the water and it says that basically suddenly Philip was taken away by the Lord, was carried away. And we don't have anything more to work from than that, <laughs> whatever that might mean, you know, but he was, he was taken out of the scene very quickly. And, you know, he was, he went on to, to preaching, it, it says, but what I love is, is in verse 39, where it says the eunuch saw him no more. And what does it say after that, if you have your Bibles there? It says that he went on his way rejoicing. Now, again, I just love this because, you know, you pause and put yourself in that. Like, I would have probably had some questions, been a little concerned about the guy that just spoke to me who's no longer in front of me. He just kind of, like, is gone, right? But it says he went on rejoicing. Why? Because he had met Jesus, he received the gospel. He had been set free, and it, it all came together for him in this moment. And Jesus really met him in this moment, didn't he? And it's, it's just this beautiful picture that he is thankful now because, again, you know, he, he went on rejoicing. But we have to understand, where was his position up until this point? It was where? It was on the outside. It wasn't such a great deal or such a big deal as, as wonderful as it was that, that again, that now the Jews, you know, that, that Peter and, and everybody were, they were going and reaching out to, to a Gentile, to a eunuch. But even better than that is now this Gentile, this eunuch who had two strikes against him was now invited in to come into the, the, the presence of the Lord, to be welcomed into that family, to be, to be uh, allowed to come in and worship now once and for all on the same level as, as anyone else. And so just imagine, you know, why was he rejoicing? Why was he so excited? It was right there. Now he could, he could worship God and he could be in God's presence and he could have relationship with his Savior and be close unlike ever, ever before. And so we see from this, this account, as we look at this, this message today, as we look at this account today with this eunuch, that the gospel message is truly for anyone. Amen? You believe that? Are you saying amen just because I asked? <laughs> if we believe it, it's truly for anyone. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you're really good. It doesn't matter if you're really bad. It doesn't matter what family you come from. It doesn't matter what your past holds, good or bad, what mistakes you've made, what the things you've done. This is the beauty of the gospel. It is for anyone. And, and again, nothing has changed since that moment till now. The gospel message is for everyone who wants to hear. And so, you know, who are the ones, if I would ask you a question, who are the ones that you might have written off that the Lord is calling you to reach? If you're like me, there, there are people, you know, I come across sometimes who are, are less than kind, right? <laughs> maybe they're family members, maybe they're neighbors. But you never know what God is doing in someone's heart, do you? 
You never know what their, their story is if you don't stop to talk to them. And I'm not saying that you can do this with everybody. Sometimes you just got to pray for somebody from a distance <laughs> and pray that God will open up something. But you just don't know. You know, I've seen this happen a few times in my life. Somebody that I first met and they did not rub me the right way and it was not a, a good encounter. And, and over time, you know, whether we were working together or in the military together and you kind of had to like get past those initial uh, offenses, if you will, but pretty soon you begin to understand the person's story. You begin to learn about them. And a few of those really, you know, God brought it to a place where they did open up. And we were able to have some very, really real conversations about God. And so, you know, I think we always need to be on the lookout, not just out there, but again, maybe even people that we've kind of just walked past and pushed behind us and like, no, <laughs> you know, I don't know about that one. Why? But that person's created in God's image, right? And God loves them. And, you know, they may not be living out the life that God has intended for them. But maybe no, no one has stopped in their life just to, to show them the love of Christ and, and to share something. As we wrap up today in closing, in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 16. Familiar passage. It's from Jesus. Jesus said it. Jesus is speaking here. And this is what he says. It says, and he said to them, Jesus speaking, he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's all of it. That's everyone. <laughs> And he goes on to say, he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, again, this isn't like something you're probably going to find on a, a greeting card in the store somewhere in Walmart. You know, we don't, we don't condemn people. But the scripture says that when somebody is given that opportunity and they, they do not believe, they do not, you know, again, stop and receive, you know, this is what the outcome is. And so, you know, our job, again, our job, and I, I've, I say this, I think, often, but I want to make sure you understand, we, you cannot save anyone. I cannot save anyone. Only Jesus Christ can save someone, right? Do you remember the O word we talked about earlier, obedience? Our job, or what we're called to do, is simply to be obedient to what God has called us to and to who God has called us to. You know, if we share, you know, again, our testimony, if we share about the Lord with somebody and they choose to reject that, it's, it's, not, it's not your fault, right? Because I think a lot of times, I think for a lot of people, and, and people that I speak to at times, you know, and again, there's this, this pressure like, well, I just don't know enough, so I'm just not going to say anything. I'm not going to share with anybody because, you know, that's, that's your job as a pastor. <laughs> or I need to work on this. And again, there are things you can learn. There are, are things that, ways to share, you know, the gospel or to have that conversation, you know, and we're hoping in, in the, the months ahead that, to get into some more of that, to, to be able to train some of you. But don't write yourself off, right? Don't write yourself off. Because you don't need to say a lot to reach somebody. I believe I've, again, I've been here a few years now, and I think I'm probably starting to repeat some of my stories, so I do apologize, but hopefully you forgot them too, and it'll be like new for the first time for you. But one time when I was in the military, again, this was years and years ago, quite a few years. I was younger then, actually. Um, and 
you know, I shared, I was sharing with somebody and, and we got, it went the direction of, of, you know, God and started asking some questions. And I think, again, you might, this might ring a bell, but his last name was Cynic, actually. He was, that was his name. And, you know, he was very, this really super intelligent kid. And he was just asking questions. And I became very familiar with the phrase during that conversation of, I don't know. <laughs> He'd ask something, you know, and I was like, I, I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. But then I shared, I shared my testimony, right? And here's, here's the thing. You do not realize the power of your testimony. And it doesn't matter, you know, you, may, it does, you don't have to have been a, a gangbanger, you know, on the streets, you know, downtown Chicago, and God brought you out of that to have a testimony. The fact that you're sitting here today, you have a testimony. You have a story. And I shared with him my story. I shared with him my testimony about what God had done for me and how God had brought me, you know, from where I was and, and, and revealed himself to me and had shown himself so real in all my life, throughout my life, even through the ups and downs. And I shared a very abbreviated, simple version of, of my testimony. And we talked a little bit more. And, and he said to me, you know, I was a sergeant at the time. So, you know, Sergeant Motter, um, I've met people that know a lot more about the Bible than you do. I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> Not sure if that was a compliment. But then he went on and he said this. He said, but none of them have ever, uh, those conversations didn't impact me or haven't had an impact on, on me like the conversation we've had today. And, you know, I, I don't credit that to my testimony and how articulate I was in that moment. I credit that to the Holy Spirit using my couple of fish and a couple of loaves and multiplying it and doing something pretty amazing with it, right? He took the little that I had to offer, the Lord did, and he spoke to that person's heart. And, you know, I wish I could say, you know, we, we closed out with, you know, an altar call and an offering. That conversation, it didn't, that didn't happen. But I know that the Lord spoke to him that day, in that moment. And when I walked away from that conversation, I, I could smile and I, I could stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm thankful that I was found obedient today and I did my part and I shared. And I just continued to lift him up in prayer, you know, afterward. And, you know, I don't know where he is today. I don't know if he's serving the Lord, but I'm just thankful to have had that opportunity. And so I don't want us to ever, you know, write ourselves off, even if it's just a few moments. You all know something, especially your own testimony, you know, and so share that. Share it. And you'd be surprised at what God can do with that. Here's the deal. God uses unqualified inexperienced, under-resourced people who love him and love others to extend his kingdom to the ends of the earth. That's what we see happening in the book of Acts. Don't forget where all, many of these folks started from when they were first called to be disciples, right? <laughs> they didn't have it all together by any means, especially that guy named Peter, right? And now here he is, you know, being used by God in such a real and powerful way. Again, the kingdom of God advances not by extraordinarily gifted and talented people, but by ordinary people who simply follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and share their good, joyful news. Amen? It comes down to obedience. And so as we prepare to pray and close out this time together today, I would just simply ask, how are we doing? How are you doing today in this area? Who has God called you to? And my prayer and my hope is that you haven't written yourself off to reach somebody who's lost. Amen.
Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this time uh, just to have been able to look at your word. God, as, we, as, we, as we've covered chapter 8 of, of the book of Acts, Lord God, that last week and this week, and we see, Lord, just your, um, your church begin to grow and to expand and into the, the places, Lord, that, that were truly probably seen as, as, as unreachable uh, at, at all costs. God, that, that it was impossible. But God, we are grateful and thankful, Lord, that we serve the God of the impossible. We serve a God who sees people where they're at, who loves them where they are, who loves the unlovable, Lord. God, we recognize that, that you uh, created those people. And again, maybe they have, have gone astray and, and, and they've gone the way of the world, Lord God, but God, we know that, that you are able and capable, Lord, to reach anyone. And so God, we just first begin our, 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 our this, these moments here in this prayer today just to ask for your forgiveness, Lord God. I wanna ask for forgiveness, Lord, uh, for, for those places where I've written somebody off, where I've said, Lord, <laughs> not them. Again, I, I think of, of Jonah, Lord, as, as he tried to, to escape where he was called to go. But, Lord God, you made sure that he arrived just where he was supposed to be. And so, God, I pray that that would be the case with every person here within the sound of my voice today. God, that you would uh, get us to the place that we're supposed to be, to the person that we're supposed to speak to. And, God, may we step into that conversation, God, with faith and boldness, Lord God, to know that you will meet us even in our imperfection and weakness. God, I thank you. I thank you that, that people are searching, that people are looking for, for something more, that they're looking, Lord, for, for answers, Lord. And so, God, while, again, the things that are, begin, are happening around the world today, as we think of even, Lord, this, the, most recently, Lord, this, this shooting, Father God, last weekend, God, we just recognize, Lord God, that we are in such desperate need of a Savior. God, that the world needs you. And God, that left to ourselves, left to our own, Lord God, just ways, Father God, we just, we fall astray. We, we, we go down the path of darkness. But God, we are so grateful that you are a God who is not far off, but a God that who draws close and dwells with us and within us, Lord God. And God, we are called to be your hands and feet. We are the light carriers, Lord God, to this dark world. And so God, we just pray that you will continue, Lord, to reach the lost. And God, we do think of uh, the victims and the families, Lord God, of, of that shooting, Lord God, at the parade on the 4th, Father. We just pray, Lord, that you would continue to draw close to them and that they would find comfort in you. And, and God, for those that are, are in those circles, Lord God, who do know you as Lord and Savior, I pray again, Lord, that you would even um, use this uh, just a horrific event Lord, to bring about, Lord, your will and your purpose. Lord, as, as your word says, that you truly work all things for good. And again, Lord, this is not, uh, doesn't say all good things. This thing is not good. It's horrible. But God, how you can use these situations and somehow bring about just, um, uh, just your will and your plans. And so, God, we do just pray your peace upon those, those that are hurting today. And God, we thank you, Lord God, just for your word. And God, we ask, I pray that each of us, Lord, here today, would be bold enough to ask you, Lord, to show us that person, to show us someone, Lord, in our lives today that we could share our testimony and to share the good news with. God, we thank you that uh, uh, you are preparing the hearts, Lord God, of those people who we're supposed to speak to. So God, we thank you for this time today. I thank you for each one here, each one joining us online. God, I pray that, that you've spoken to us, that you've challenged us, Lord God, uh, to again, to, to, to turn our eyes towards you, to trust you, and God, to step out, Lord, in faith and just watch, Lord, what you might do. Thank you for this time and this beautiful day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.